This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome back. I'm Rabbi Ari Keefman. Great to be with you here on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. And just yesterday, we began our new course called The Art of Communication. And this is another one of the fabulous JLI, Jewish Learning Institute offerings, that I am privileged to be teaching here in Johannesburg. And this course, Communication, The Art and Soul of It, we have been discussing some very important aspects of communication. And the truth is, you can join us in person where you'll get the privilege and the actual opportunity to participate in the course where we have handouts and you look at the texts together, we examine them, we discuss them, we have PowerPoint presentations and videos and lots of other resources to dissect and to discuss these topics in a most meaningful and practical way that makes it relevant for our lives. But here on Soul to Soul, I always like to give you a taste of what we're discussing in the class and invite you to join us in person Wednesday mornings or Wednesday evenings. And you can find out more information by visiting us on ChabadSouthAfrica.org. You know, George Bernard Shaw said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. We human beings are social creatures. And communication skills are actually a very important part of our life. Every day we're communicating. Every second of the day, well, I shouldn't say every second, maybe one thing we do more than communication is breathing. But any interaction we have, we have with other people will always involve communication. But ironically, the true meaning of communication is often mis- miscommunicated. And it's not about speech, language, words. That's a means, but it's not the end. In fact, the essence of communication has often been identified by Jewish mystics And this is something that we're going to discuss, some of the keys, how to help us communicate effectively. So let me share with you some of the ideas that we're going to study. Obviously, you can take any course and you can probably Google and find on the internet all types of tips and tools for communication. But as a rabbi and as the Jewish Learning Institute, my responsibility is to share with you what the Torah and what Jewish texts from over the millennia have to say on the topics of speaking and listening, how to effectively use communication to get our ideas, our feelings across, how to enhance our relationships, to resolve conflict. Faribul is so popular and there are solutions through the means of communication. And if we can have a positive influence on our families and our social, on our social circles, on the people around us, in our work environment, in our shul, in our home, in the marketplace, wherever we might be, then not only will we have an effect on ourselves and the people around us, but we'll make this world a better place indeed. Because with effective communication, we'll make the world a much better place. So if we think about communication, And look at some of the biblical sources. Let's think about King Solomon, the wisest of all men to ever live. Shlomo HaMelech says, which means, from the fruit of the mouth, a person's stomach becomes satiated. I just want to get to the gist of the verse. He says, The main point of this verse in Mishle and Proverbs is, death and life are in the hands of the tongue. What is the meaning of 
death and life are in the hands of the tongue. Now, this is very true because as human beings, we are social creatures and we're constantly communicating. And literally, this is something that practically affects every aspect and area of our life. And to the extent that it's life or death, because the way we speak, the way we communicate has the potential to make or break relationships with family, with others. And what King Solomon's statement is informing us is that even our financial success, as we saw in his words from the fruit of our mouth, it's dependent on our communication skills. And the way he says from the produce of our lips, that means our business success is contingent on the way we communicate. You can have all the intelligence and training and expertise, but the most basic key to having your stomach sated, as King Solomon put it, is knowing how to effectively communicate, whether it's with your coworkers, with your superiors, with your clients, with your employees, employers, with whoever it might be. So King Solomon, he raises the ante and he tells us there that life itself is dependent on communication. And obviously, as being part of our scriptures, Mishle, Proverbs, there are many commentators that discuss this verse on whether it's talking literal or not. But I think we actually recognize the importance, the significance of it, that words can destroy and words can build. And we could think of many incredible results that came from words spoken, both positive and negative. You think in the Torah portions, we're reading about Miriam, who encouraged her parents to remarry. And conversely, when she speaks negatively, and she speaks Lashon Hara, negative chatter about her brother Moshe, it has detrimental results. The positive consequence of her convincing her parents to remarry is the birth of Moshe. Or when Korach's wife uses words to egg her husband to rebel against Moshe. It's words, it's communication. You look further, look in the book of Malachim and Kings, we have Rechavam's harsh words to the people's representatives that cause devastating split between the tribes of Israel, between the tribes of, Yis- of Yehuda and the tribes of the rest of the Israel, the Yisrael. And unfortunately, that is a major stain in Jewish history. We There's a very famous story about Kamtza and Bar Kamtza, which has very much been affected by words that have a devastating impact that Talmud describes the temple's destruction due to the incident of Kamtza and Bar Kamtza. There were many other incidents. As an American, I could recall in 1992 when President George W. or George H.W., the father of George W. Bush, said, read my lips, no more taxes. And I believe that cost, that cost him his re-election bid. You have um, Martin Luther King whose famous speech, I Have a Dream, inspired a generation of civil rights activists. Here in our own country, the reconciliatory words of President Nelson Mandela, of Madiba, that was able to take our country from its dark days of apartheid into such a smooth transition into the rainbow nation as it is today. And have you been looking at our Rand dollar exchange? Look how things, miracles happen, don't they? But I'm not the finance show, so I won't be commenting too much about that. But on and on, you could see there are so many examples. And you could think in your own life where communication or miscommunication, kind words or malicious words can literally 
be a matter of life and death. And no doubt, if you could think your own life of times that perhaps you heard something or said something that had such a strong impact, think of those times that they could literally be life-altering, life-changing, the words we say. A few months ago, there was a young woman in the U.S. in Massachusetts who was convicted of involuntary manslaughter for her boyfriend's suicide. Now, she didn't she didn't cause, she was not the one who took his, her boyfriend's life. He committed suicide. But the judge found that her text messages urged him to commit suicide. She was held accountable. So when you recognize that death can even come, even if it's not the intention of the person articulating the words, but words are so powerful. And that's why King Solomon tells us very clearly that Maves v'chaim b'yad lashon, that death and life are in the hands of the tongue because especially today, I was at my school, my son's PTA school meeting the other day and they talked about cyberbullying and abuse that goes on. It's certainly, we could relate to what a strong impact words have today. And yet, despite the fact that communication skills are so essential, I think it seems that many people have such a difficult time effectively communicating. They say that practice makes perfect. And usually I think that's the case. Chances are the more you drive a car, the better a driver you become. The more you bake, the better your cookies, your biscuits are going to taste. The more times you tie that necktie, well, I guess the more adept you'll become at it, the nicer the nada will be. But for some reason, this doesn't work for communication. Many people communicate for many decades and they don't become better at it. I interact with senior citizens every day. I've seen elderly people fetch and complain and I've seen young people who do it. It's not a difference in age. It's not that they got better at the communicate. People, some people are effective and good communicators, whereas others unfortunately aren't and have a way to learn. And they're most welcome to join us for the art of communication next week, Wednesday, if they want to join us live in our discussions. And I'm sure that Anyone who joins us will enhance their own communication. And I'd guess that all of us know somebody who, the more they practice their communication, for some reason, they seem to be getting worse and worse at it. So we all agree that communication is something we could all work on, we could all fix, we could all enhance, and perhaps just just uh, fix it up a little bit. So my plan is to delve in some aspects of communication and perhaps to come to better understand why we make whatever communication errors and mistakes, we make them repeatedly so, and hopefully to explore some of the core impediments to effective, healthy communication and how we could overcome those obstacles. So today... We're going to discuss just some ideas defining communication. Because before you get to the how, the why, the when of communication, you need to know what is communication. And so one of the biggest misconceptions about communication and probably the impediment to people's to success in general in life is the notion that communication is just 
an exchange of words and sentences, and we just talk, and talking, for some reason, we think is communication. So I hope that listening in, and if you join us in participating, will be more than just educational and inspiring, but my main hope is that there will be some practical ideas that you take from it that could be a game changer in the way you communicate. And so I want you to take a moment, whether you're driving, whether you're walking, whether you're in your office, just take 10 seconds. I want you to think about one or two people in your life who you would like to improve your communication channels with. And maybe think of a conversation you had with someone recently that ended with not the results you wanted. And then just think about how you could improve their, the communication you have with that individual. Well, we all know that the Torah has a lot to share with us about everything. And the idea of communication, to tell you the truth, you know, I'm a rabbi, I'm not a psychologist yet. But what is it about communication skills that I could share with you from a Torah perspective? And there are many books out there that have been published and seminars that people could attend. Certainly, they're worthwhile participating in. But what's the advantage of attending a shiur, a Torah discussion about communication? Now, if you look at these studies, the books, the seminars, there's a lot of knowledge that's gleaned from a lot of communication ideas. And much of it is taken from data. They collect data about people's verbal interactions and basically they gather a certain, a certain group of people. So the thing is, the observation that they collect that information, there's a lot of wisdom in it. The question is if it's relevant to people in another city, in another country, in another era. Times change. A lot, some things, you know, as they say, the more time change, the more things change, the more they don't. I saw a picture the other day of people on the, in, on the subway in the 1940s and everyone's reading the newspaper. And again, the same complaint that we have today. Everyone's got their eyes on their gadgets, on their iPads and iPhones and Androids, but not that it was so different so long ago. Maybe the people had their heads in the newspaper back in the day, but it, not that different. But the Torah is unique, and it's not collecting data from a certain period in time. The Torah is divine wisdom. God who created the universe. God created humankind. Sound waves, language, a mouth, a tongue, the faculty of speech. God provided us with an instruction manual that teaches us how to use all these entities effectively and to their maximum potential. So, the Torah is that insider's track to successful communication and to successful anything else while we're at it. So, let's try to understand what the Torah's perspective is. Now, first of all, the Torah and the words of our sages have many straightforward direct communication tips. If you look in the Torah, you'll see various commandments and instructions, and those tips are worthwhile observing because they'll get you in the right direction and place. But there are messages that we could glean by exploring the mystical messages in the Torah. And 
the mystics teach that all the all material phenomena and functions that we experience actually reflect their spiritual sources and share their properties much in the very same way that if you look at a computer it is following the code that it was by whom it was programmed the same thing is we're programmed by god and we're created in god's image so if we really want to get to the heart of a particular function and understand how it works and why it does then you got to go to the manufacturer and you got to see what does the manufacturer say well the manufacturer of us is god and god gave us our instruction manual which is the torah and so we could with that analyze the spiritual source code for our functionality and when we do so i think we gain tremendous immense insight not only into how to use a particular function, but also why it exists. And I think it's worthwhile then seeing the Torah's approach. What does the Torah have to say about communication? Well, let's look into Ethics of Our Fathers, and it describes that the world was created with speech. And we know that because if you go to the very beginning of creation, God says there in Genesis, nine times, let there be, let there be light, let there be a firmament, And there you go, with each expression, with each time that God says, let there be something, it comes into existence. God says, let there be light, there was light. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, and so it was. God spoke instructions on every one of the six days of creation, and those instructions materialized. God didn't say, you know, let there be light, and then he goes and creates it. God actually said, let there be light, and there was light. That's what the verse says. So we see the power of speech. Without God's speech, we wouldn't even be here today. Now, there's another reason why, in the absence of God's speech, we wouldn't actually be here. Because, think about it. I'm sharing with you thoughts from the Torah. The Torah is God's speech. You open the Torah and hundreds of times you'll see, whether it's mitzvahs, instructions, commandments, whatever it might be, you'll see in our portion this week, God spoke, God said, the Ten Commandments are all by Yedabralikim. God spoke these words. So one of the fundamental principles of Judaism we understand is that God has no physical form. There's no, God doesn't have a mouth. So what does it mean God spoke? God doesn't speak in the conventional sense of the word. Does God have a tongue, a mouth? But when the Torah uses physical descriptors to portray God and God's actions, these are metaphors that are designed to enable us in our limited understanding to grasp a very spiritual process. So what is the spiritual process that's reflected by speech? And in the book of Tanya, it's a very interesting idea, it explains that the essence of speech is revelation. You see, when God created the universe, God revealed and expressed that creative life force that was until then hidden. And this process is described with the metaphor of speech. Because when we speak, it's a process of revelation. And we're taking our personal thoughts, our ideas, which are entirely hidden there inside our minds. And we're now expressing them, revealing them to somebody else. So God's 10 utterances with which the world was created, 
That was the revelation of God's power, God's life force that constitute the DNA of creation that the Torah is referred to as speech is the same idea. It's a revelation of God's wisdom, of God's will, which previously was concealed to human beings. And so what is this? What is speech? Speech is revelation. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 IFM. So as we spoke a moment ago, welcome back. I'm Rabbi Ari Kivan. We're talking here the art of communication. And we spoke about how the world was created with divine speech. God spoke. The Torah constitutes God's speech. And that is what they call anthropomorphic terminology because the essence of speech, what is speech? It is revelation. In creation, God revealed his creative life force. The Torah is God revealing to all humankind his wisdom, his will. Now, let's turn to human communication. Let's think about our own communication. So, there's a famous Talmudic statement that many people are familiar with, which describes that when a fetus comes into this world, what happens? Well, it's studying Torah for nine months of gestation in utero. And then, as it leaves, it gets a little strike by the angel on the lip at the cleft, and that is why the child is probably crying, but that is birth. Now, here's an interesting thing. Even if for whatever reason the child has to study Torah and forget it, what is this thing about striking the child by the mouth, on the lip? And so there are various commentators, but I want to share with you one from the Maharal, Rabbi Yehuda Lowy of Prague. And basically explains that the Torah describes God's creating the human being. And the verse says, God fashioned us into a living spirit. Now the thing is, how is the human being distinct from the millions of other living spirits that God had already created earlier on the sixth day of creation? All the various, various insects and, and animals and everything else, insects and animals that are out there. Well, Unclus, a first century original translator of the Torah, actually, he clarifies by translating the words lenefesh chaya, which means living spirit, into the words leruach mamalala, which means an articulate spirit. Basically, all other life forms have a living spirit, but the human being has a talking soul. We're the ones who communicate. And so the human being is known in Jewish literature as medaber, an articulator, one who speaks. It's interesting, we know Moshe Rabbeinu Moses was, had a speech impairment, he was speech challenged. And he never got that strike from the malach. Very interesting, that's one interpretation of the reason why he was challenged in his speaking. But, the point is that in the Torah's view, our ability of speech, our communication skill, is not just an important thing that we do, but it's what defines our humanity. Now, if you think about that, the Maharal explains that humankind is unique, that we possess a spiritual and physical side. And in that the spirituality of the soul is revealed in and expressed 
through our physical body. This happens primarily through our verbal communication. When we speak, when our words are revealing our souls, our soul's spiritual perceptions, our feelings, our thoughts. So that is speech. It's the nexus point of body and soul. Now, God created holier, more spiritual beings, angels. But angels don't have the capacity to reveal, to express their spirituality in the physical realm because they're not connected to a physical body. Only humans possess the ability that we're able to bridge the gap between the physical and the spiritual when we are using words. So words are the way we're able to communicate and express our soul in this world. And that's why we're called talking soul, as Unclus put it. We're called medaber. And if you look at the uh, various taxonomies of life, the... Humans are called homo sapiens, wise, but it is only from a Torah perspective that we're called articulate. We're called people who speak because humankind is unique in that we possess a spiritual and physical side and that we're able to reveal our spiritual side through words. Now, just when you think that everything makes perfect sense, then just study a little bit of Kabbalah and there you go. The mystics muddle the topic and they throw in a monkey wrench and we defined speech both divine and human as revelation but the mystics call it something else and they say they describe speech as something that conceals if you look into Kabbalah it describes how the Ten Commandments as an example the Torah It's revealing to us God's wisdom. But at the same time, it's concealing a much greater part of God's wisdom because God's wisdom is much greater than just the commandments and the Torah. Because were God to reveal all of God's wisdom to us, we would be like uh, a toddler attending a lesson on neuroscience. We would comprehend exactly nothing. So God's words are simultaneously revealing and concealing. And the same thing is true for our own human communication. When we speak our words, obviously we are revealing what we want to share, but we're also holding back on feelings, on thoughts. We're not saying everything that's on our mind. No intelligent person blats out everything that they're thinking. The question is, which of these two aspects of speech, revelation or concealment, which is the more defining component of speech? Now, we all know that the point of speaking, obviously, is to reveal. But in order to reveal effectively, then our speech has to limit and constrain some of our thoughts and emotions. Because if our speech would just express everything from our mind, it would just be one big jumble stream of thoughts unintelligible to anyone but ourselves so in order to effectively communicate these thoughts to other people we have to first filter them and express them in a clear and structured framework but in that process of concealment the point is not to conceal concealment is only to allow that effective revelation so now that we understand 
that speaking, the definition of speech is revelation. But concealment is a tool in that arsenal of revelation in order for us to effectively communicate. Let's look at the definition of speech. How it has a practical relevance to each of us. And if you think about it, when people talk and tell a story, one thing that draws your attention when you hear a story, no doubt is, the emotions that you're feeling at the time. People's ears perk up when they're telling us when there's a story. As a rabbi, as someone who's oftentimes giving lectures and sermons and instructions, I know the value of including stories and anecdotes in my speeches and my sermons and my lessons because when you share something, especially if it's something personal, I recognize, I realize that it evokes a certain reaction in people that they're that much more interested. And you ever wonder why it is when you tell a story to anyone, your story, especially your personal stories, that there is that much more of a reaction. And the reason no doubt is because when you tell a story, you're revealing a part of yourself. That's when you're truly, really communicating. So, if that's the case, communication is about truly revealing yourself. If you look in the Torah, it describes when God speaks to Moses, it's face-to-face conversation. Panim, El Panim is the way the Torah describes it. God spoke to Moses face to face, just as a human would speak to, just as a man speaks to his companion. So this verse is describing communication between Moshe Rabbeinu, between Moses and God. And it's saying that that's exactly how humans should communicate, face to face. So what's the Hebrew word for face? We all know it's Panim. But it has a very different connotation than the English word for face. You see, the word face, besides for being an anatomical part of our body from the forehead to our chin and containing our eyes, nose, nostrils, mouth, etc., it's related to the word facade. And the word facade is implying something that's external. It's just our face. If you look in the dictionary, the word face is defined as an outward appearance. Put a good face on it. Or the aspect of something that's perceptible or obvious upon the superficial examination. And that word superficial is the word I wanted to grab. Because superficial means it's just, it's just a face value. It's a facade. But the Hebrew word panim has an opposite association. It's related to the word pnimius. What does premius mean? Internality. It's the deepest part of any given entity. Speaking panim or panim, the Torah is describing the way the conversation in which there was a dialogue. It reveals the depth of our being. The inner thoughts, our feelings, the emotions. Where do you usually see those emotions? They're expressed on the face. So... Communication is both revelation and concealment. Real communication occurs when the objective is revelation and the concealment is only present to enhance the revelation. That yes, I can't tell you everything that's on my mind because it might not be something you can handle to hear everything. 
Well, when words serve to conceal more than they reveal, it's not a real communication. You're just, as we said before in the words of George Bernard Shaw, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. Just as God's communication with creation, both the Ten Utterances and the Ten Commandments, was the revelation, the facilitation to to create, to express God's creative power in creating the world, to, to reveal God's wisdom. The same thing, I think, in our communication, it has to be real. It has to be an expression of oneself. And you think about the deepest relationship is intimacy. And yet, how does the Torah describe intimacy? Adam yada eschava. Adam knew Eve. You see, the Torah's use of the term knowledge to describe marital relationship between Adam and Eve, and in other instances, is yada, to know. Knowing not only the eye color or whether they like sushi, but being tuned into your spouse's worldview, their joys, their fears, their aspirations, what they do and don't like, all those things. The only way that could happen is by communication. Communication leads to knowledge and true knowledge constitutes connection. That's a relationship. And that you could see in the word intimacy because intimacy means into me, see. So, it's a very powerful point and idea is that what is communication? What are relationships? Relationships are contingent on both parties, on couples learning to know each other through true communication. So that is communication. Panima pani means there was a dialogue where both parties revealed to the other the depth of their being. That's true communication when you're really truly connecting with one another. And so when you're able to reveal yourself to another, that is something that modern psychology has taught if you use I messages versus you messages. I'll give you some examples. Have you ever heard someone say, you don't care about me. You never make time for me. You don't call. You don't text me. How does that feel? Isn't it accusatory? But what if you were to change that message and say, well, when you don't pay attention to me or call or text me, I feel disconnected and lonely. You changed it from you, which is very much accusatory. You don't help in the house. You spend too much. You didn't finish the financial report in time. When people talk to us that way, how do we feel? And that's the problem with you statements. There's a few Problems to use statements. Number one is the very accusatory. The assumption about another person regarding their motivations, we might have it completely wrong. Do we know for certain how the other person's feeling or why they've done so? Why do we use these use? You don't do this, you don't do that. It's very attacking. And attacks aren't very good for relationships. And usually when that happens, I'm sure we all have our own way of reacting, but most likely when somebody attacks me, 
I get into defensive mode, possibly wanting to counterattack. And this causes conversations to just spiral downwards, to degenerate into verbal warfare, possibly. And it's just not effective. It's not good. It's not productive. It's not conducive to communication. It's not conducive to relationships. So if you switch from you messages, which lead people into stomping off and slamming doors, not just physical doors, but proverbial ones as well. What we have to learn to do is to change those you, accusatory, attacking kind of shut-the-door conversations into more I statements. Like, I feel that you would be better, you know, say whatever it is you got to say, but from your own feeling, I feel like. Now, don't forget that sometimes just changing the word to I could be just as bad as you because it could be just as accusatory. So you have to think, what are the words you want to say? But the point is, if you want to have effective communication, then you have to express the feelings not in an accusatory attacking way, but rather in a way that is pleasant. And instead of saying you care more about work than the family, it might be nicer to say, when you spend so much time at work, I feel lonely. I feel like I'm not important of a priority in your life. The kids miss you. It's a whole different way of expressing things. And at our course, we've gone through numerous examples that could really be effective in helping you change the way we communicate with others and really have a positive effect in communication in a way that helps our communication be more effective. So all this speaks to the potential issues that happen when we say you, because even if it's not an intended attack, just think about how you would receive or perceive when someone talks to you that way. But now that we learn a different way, using iMessages, we're revealing our feelings. The essence of communication is exactly that, is revealing our personal feelings, why we feel the way we do. And that is something that makes someone feel more comfortable to respond in kind. You know, I didn't think of it. I didn't realize that you miss me. So when you express yourself that way, revealing your your feelings, instead of blaming, then just imagine how effectively it changes. Think of the advantage of I messages, revealing your feelings, and that is really, truly connecting with another person. We'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 IFM. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman. That's great, and I appreciate all the messages coming through. I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to respond to anyone in person today, but one of the questions asked was about Today, modern electronic communication, and I'm going to try to spend a few minutes just talking about that to conclude on human versus electronic communication. You see, we talked before about Moshe, about his face-to-face. He would speak with God, and just like human beings communicate face-to-face. Now, I'm not sure how they understood this in previous generations, but I think in today's day and age, especially, I think face-to-face communication has taken a major hit. 
and it's fighting a losing battle against all sorts of electronic devices. So if we think about today's modern digit-to-digit communication versus face-to-face communication, you see that this is just one of the challenges we face in today's day and age. But not that it was not that there weren't we didn't face this challenge previously like i said you could have had a few decades ago where people's faces were stuck into their books and newspapers and still weren't communicating so one of the benefits of communication face to face especially is the visual cues this the body language the movement of our eyes and our lips the expressions on our face words can't possibly convey the entire depth of what a person's mind and heart are trying to convey. So a person's eyes, as they say, are a window into their soul. And when we speak, we're expressing our thoughts and our feelings. When someone sees us, when it's a face-to-face conversation, then the person we're communicating with, especially if they're paying attention, they're going to recognize my body language. And whether I grin or smile, they notice that and they know exactly there are nonverbal cues that are so crucial to our discussions, to communication. And I think that's one of the things we lack in today's technological communication, even with the emojis, I'm sorry to say. So the tone and the body language really reveal layers, layers and layers of our communication, of our feelings, of our emotions. And for whatever reason, people prefer texting or emailing and the messages we get through, they hide, they don't reveal. And as we said earlier, speech should be, communication should be more about revelation, not concealment. So that's my answer to that question. I hope it answers your question because communication is very important, but it shouldn't be something that is concealing. Rather, it should be revealing. It should be revealing our expressions, our feelings, our thoughts. And obviously, we shouldn't be sharing everything that's in our mind sometimes, but that's the advantage of face-to-face communication. And even writing, you know, When I write an article, I find that oftentimes I'm deleting words, I'm I'm trying to backtrack a little bit. It it takes a lot more time for me to write than to speak. And perhaps there is an advantage to written word because you get the clarity and precision. With electronic communication, we frequently use the most precise form of communication. But the point, you know especially today with text messaging and WhatsApping, people are not really exactly paying attention to grammar, but not that that's so important when you just want to get a message across. I would say electronic communication is good, but it has its place. So the place for electronic communication would be more for practical things. You think about, you want to get a message, uh, doctor's appointments at 4 p.m., or you want to say, please pick up milk at kosher world on the way home, I don't think that needs face-to-face communication. That probably doesn't even need a phone call. That's okay if you do it in a message. So when it comes to practical utilitarian messages you want to convey, it's perfectly fine to use electronic communication. There's other advantages. You know, think about the speed, how you can get a message across so quickly. Um, 
and and the broadcasting of a message. On WhatsApp today, we could broadcast. Many of you, I'm sure, get broadcast messages from me, a good Shabbos message or a message about some community event or about the JLR courses that we're offering. So I find that's another great benefit. You can reach more people and... You could also record things for posterity. You could look back. You know, I notified you in advance about a certain project deadline or whatever it is. Check your inbox. Check your email. There's so many advantages to electronic communication. We should embrace the technological advancements. I'm not saying in any way to negate them. They are fabulous. They supplement, though. They're a supplement to our face-to-face communication. So whatever... When you have to express yourself and you need to reveal your true feelings, then face-to-face communication is the preferable method because you're able to actually communicate. But that said, there should be no problem using texting and instant messaging and all that when it comes to dry communication, when it comes to scheduling appointments or just as a supplement to our face-to-face communication. And so, my friends... I think communication is a very important part of our life, and I'm sure you all agree. So if you were to take home some ideas that we talked about today, just to recap some points, I think firstly the definition of communication as we discussed today is not just words or sentences, but it's the revelation of one person to another. Secondly, it's important that we communicate in emotionally expressive terms. When our words camouflage our feelings, then we're not really communicating and we could possibly harm our relationships. You have to know what, you have to think it through, what's important to reveal, what's important to conceal. And finally, when it comes to electronic communication, as was asked, then there are times that you could use it, it is effective, but it's limited, especially when you want to be more effectively communicating and express your feelings, your emotions. And I hope you enjoyed today's discussion, and I'd like to welcome you to join me next week where we're going to not talk about how to speak, but we're going to talk about how to listen because real listening is so critical to effective communication. But as we all know, it's not easy. How often do we feel tempted to interrupt, to just jump in when someone's talking? There's It involves so much more than processing the sounds and the strings of words that we hear from another person. So join us next week, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, 9.45 a.m. at Chabad House or 7.15 p.m. at Santon Central Shul, where we're going to explore Talmudic passages that provide valuable listening insights and skills. And you don't want to miss that. I wish you all a very meaningful and purposeful Shabbos and look forward to be with you back here on Chai FM Soul to Soul next Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Carpe diem. Seize the day.